0: Hello and welcome to The Blast From Our Past Podcast. We are the podcast that listens to you when you want to listen to us talk about movies and TV. Like today, we are going to do a viewer-submitted episode. Damien Alexander has given us recommendations to review the movie Daryl and the TV show Bravestar. And we're going to cast the show Brave Star as if it was a movie coming out today. So we're going to do that. And we really appreciate you guys giving us those shows and movies to review because we appreciate you guys listening. Which, actually, those two fit really well together because... Both have robots in them, which is really cool. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So I'm Adam. I'm John. And this is awesome. I'm excited. We actually got someone who like sent us an email and is like, hey, here's some suggestions. And it's like, cool. All right, we're going to listen to that. We're going to do that.
1: And we've had a few other suggestions. I know uh, yes. we've got a, a couple things coming down the pike from people who've uh, suggested. And to me, it's really exciting, especially if it's one that we didn't particularly watch or listen to, kind of like when we had Corey on for Monster Squad, because mm-hmm. it gives us something new to watch that we hadn't before, which is always fun. Although, admittedly, I've seen I'd already seen both of these. So
0: for me, Daryl, I definitely loved Daryl as a kid. Yeah. Brave Star, I think I might have seen one episode or two episodes. Like it was not one that was in my my pantheon of nostalgic love, right. but it was one that I, I I'd heard of. But like I dived into it and I watched quite a bit. I've got a very important question for you. Yes. Earlier, you said coming down the pike. And I know that's the thing. I always say coming down the pipe. What's the difference? <laughs>
1: uh, The difference is I'm pretty sure one of them is the correct saying and the other one is not. <laughs> i i mean i i feel like coming down the pipe is still correct i but like yeah you definitely said
0: you said pike so
1: nothing the original expression was coming down the pike okay like p y k e yeah i think it's morphed into coming down the pipe yeah just
0: because we put water through pipes so it makes
1: sense well i think uh pike referred to like a like a turnpike Like a road. Oh,
0: okay. I didn't get that. I didn't know that. But when you said that earlier, it just like, it got into my brain. And I was like, you know what? I always say coming down the pipe, not coming down the pike. I don't know why. We were only born five years apart, but you know, that's one of the the few differences between us. There you go. Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, the movie that we're going to be reviewing, came out in 1985, what else happened in 1985? Because this is a year we already did when we did the movie Explorers. So what else happened in that year?
1: I mean, there's quite a few things that happened. I'm not actually going to touch on anything relating to movies because a lot of things happened in movies and a lot of things happen in movies that we'll probably touch on. A couple of interesting things that happened. It was a big year for a young man named Mr. Lionel Richie because he won a Oscar for best original song and I didn't know that this song came from a movie but he uh, he won an Oscar for the song Say You, Say Me that actually came from the movie White Nights See- which I I've never even heard of. Never heard of that movie. And then he also won a Grammy for Song of the Year for a song that he did with Michael Jackson called We Are the World. We are-
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's an amazing song.
1: So, uh, so big year for him. A few other things that uh, happened in uh, 1985. 1985 is when we finally got to see Snuffleupagus oh. on Sesame Street. He wasn't just an imaginary character anymore. Yeah. Also, uh, another young man named Robert Downey Jr. became a cast member on Saturday Night Live for all of one season. A lot of people don't know he was actually on Saturday Night Live for a year.
0: Yeah, there's some surprising one-year people in Saturday Night Live. And yeah, he's one of them.
1: There's a really interesting history that sort of happened in SNL in the 80s when uh, Lorne Michaels initially left and didn't know if it was going to keep going and they had to get a new producer and all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But there were some there were some really good uh, episodes that came out of the 80s. Last thing that happened in 1985, uh, which I, for some reason I thought this would have happened earlier than it did, but the uh, historic Route 66 was finally taken off of the highway system. Oh, okay. It no was no longer an official highway. Why is it taken off the highway? Because
0: if it's historic, shouldn't it stay on the highway system?
1: Well, it's now the <laughs> it's now referred to as the historic Route 66 because of where it goes, but because of the interstate system bypassing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's useless. Route 66 is worthless. Well, it is now. <laughs> it wasn't that it wasn't before we had you know the interstate system but since we've had the interstate system it became worthless a lot of the parts of the of the highway just were integrated into the interstate and basically it was no point in really having an actual route 66 anymore
0: Woo! that's some exciting stuff <laughs> sorry hey, it was the 80s what can you gonna say yeah and i've had a bottle of wine so fuck it <laughs> well without further ado let's get into daryl Daryl from 1985. And I just realized when I said let's get into Daryl, that sounded really gross because he is a child. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a he is a male child boy, and that just sounded really bad coming from me. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> this movie starred Michael McKeon, who we all know and love. He's done a lot of comedic stuff. Michael McKeon is uh maybe most famous for Spinal Tap.
1: Yeah. Your first drummer was uh the the stompy Peeps. Oh, great, great, uh Tall, blonde geek with glasses. Yeah. Uh, good drama. Great look. Good drama. Good, yeah. Good yeah drama. Fine, what, drama. Drama. what happened to him? He died. He he died in a bizarre gardening accident.
0: Uh, it also stars Mary Beth Hart, who I don't really know who that is, and I care. I couldn't really tell other stuff that she was in. Not a lot of starring roles. Uh, It also starred Danny Corkle, who played the character Turtle, who was the best friend, who really hasn't done much. But the main character, Daryl, is played by Barrett Oliver, who we've already talked about in our episode one in The NeverEnding Story. He played Bastion. Why
1: don't you do what you... He was a staple of 80s kids' movies to me. Absolutely. He appeared in eh, quite a few things, but obviously NeverEnding Story, Daryl. He was also in Cocoon, which isn't really a kid's movie, but I definitely remembered watching that in the 80s. Great movie.
0: And I want to add that the doctor, uh, Dr. Stewart, I think is his name, in this movie was played by Joseph Summer. and I best know him as Mr. Ducksworth from the movie Mighty Ducks. Collect your personal
1: belongings, Gordon. Yes, sir, Mr. Ducksworth. Thank you very much, Mr. Ducksworth. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Quack, 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 Gordon, quack. Stop. Quack quack quack. Quack quack quack. Quack 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 quack, That's what
0: I remember him from.
1: Another woman I wanted to mention, a Colleen Camp, who plays Turtle's Mom, also starred in another movie with Michael McKeon, Clue. She played a vet, the French maid. Very pretty. Would you like to see these, Yvette? They might shock you. No, merci. I am a lady. Oh, she played a vet.
0: Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. She got really hot because <laughs> she was attractive in this movie, but as a vet in the Clue, holy moly!
1: Yeah. Actually, that was the same year. This, okay. Uh, this uh, Clue also came out in '85. Clue
0: is definitely one I hope that we go over eventually because I'm a big fan of that movie. Yes. This movie was directed by Simon Winsor who has done some other, like, classic movies that we would know, including Operation Dumbo Drop, (laughs) if (laughs) if you ever watched that one, the least good Crocodile Dundee movie, which was Crocodile Dundee 3 in Los Angeles, but he also directed Free Willy. Oh. Fantastic film, and also I love Michael Jackson, so a huge, huge fan of that soundtrack.
1: It's a touching movie. No matter how cheesy it was, it was it was touching.
0: Uh, so we start the movie off, and we just kind of see these mountain ranges. I, this is the first time I watched this movie in I don't know at least a decade, if not fifteen years or so. Right. And the first shot, you know, starting off a mountain range, and then you hear this huge, surprising helicopter <laughs> go over the mountain, and it just kind of freaked me out. I don't know if you got surprised by that too.
1: No, I I'd watched it a, about a year ago. Oh, okay. So I still it was still relatively fresh in my mind.
0: Gotcha. Well, yeah, it shocked the hell out of me because I really didn't remember. I didn't remember the the minute details of this film. Mm -hmm. I know the main stuff. But this one, much like some other films, I just kind of really haven't touched in a long time. And I just, but I remember loving it as a kid. Absolutely remember Mm -hmm. loving it. Yeah. So I was excited. I was absolutely excited to get started. So anyway, we start off with this surprising helicopter over the mountains. (laughs) Uh, We see a boy in a car. He gets dropped off by the woods and has to go run. It's It's all kind of a very confusing opening yeah the helicopter you know follows this car that had just dropped off the boy in the woods then this car just drives off the side of a fucking cliff and basically commits suicide off of a cliff a little bit crazy to start yeah. this kid's movie <laughs> we find this kid Daryl who is gets found by this old couple who, who he kind of meets in the woods he really doesn't know what he's doing or anything about himself he kind of go to a doctor and he kind of says that you know he has amnesia it's just it's all kind of weird he's opening like five minutes are just it's to set up some mystery to set up some suspense of what the hell is going on right now yeah who is this kid because this kid has no idea who he is or where he came from they take him to a child care facility really we kind of get these setups this kid is kind of like a a genius he he kind of picks up on stuff really quickly Mm -hmm. he just knows things that other people don't know things like they do this eye test and he looks at the eye test he then just turns around and he memorized the whole damn thing and recites it to the doctor yeah can you read the letters on that board over there efp T-O-Z-L-P-E-D-P-E-C-F-D-F-E-L-E-D-F-C-Z-P. Little things that just make you think, this kid's a little off. It's not normal. Uh, We then meet Michael McKeon and Mary Beth Hart, who play Joyce and Andy. They are a cute little suburban couple I think Beetlejuice kind of suburban adorable nice couple that you just love out in the burbs. Right, the Maitland's. The, yeah, just like the Maitland's. Uh the one thing about these guys is that they've been looking to adopt a child and so they're going to have to fo- they're going to foster a kid before they can like eventually actually adopt a kid. So yeah, good for them. Yay for adoption. You know, we set them up as pretty, you know, good suburban people from from the start.
1: Yeah, Andy works in construction, Joyce teaches piano lessons.
0: Yeah, exactly very like suburban-y kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The next morning, we meet probably my favorite character in the movie, and we meet Turtle. He comes over to their house. He's, I guess, their neighbor. Lives across the street. His dad works for the child service agency that Daryl got dropped off on. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that I didn't see more of Danny Corkle because I've really, really liked him in this role. Like, he's just a a cute little kid. He was kind of like, you know, that one that was a little too honest than he should be (laughs) to everybody. But he was funny. He was cute. I liked him. So we meet Turtle. He comes over And basically, I mean, at this point, Daryl has been fostered out to Joyce and Andy because they need to foster a kid before they can actually like fully adopt one. So they know that this is going to be a very temporary situation because they expect someone's looking for him. Mm. You know, his parents want to go find him. I want to point out a funny edit that, you know, we see this kind of thing in some other movies we've talked about. And I always have an affinity for editing. (laughs) But you have a, a basically a line. Promise me. The subject of his memory loss is out. Deal? And then the exact next cut, you see Daryl and Turtle hanging out and they're talking about his memory issues. Yep. That kind of shit of like the setup of, no, don't do it. And then the next cut, you do it. Yeah. It works. It makes my little editor heart grow (laughs) three sizes.
1: also kind of sets up that uh, Turtle is a good kid, but he basically kind of does what he wants within reason. Yeah, very much
0: so. We have some more just kind of funny lines and funny setup. Turtle's a little bit of a shit to his older sister, <laughs> and he just makes fun of her for being uh, he calls her a hooker and just going around like banging dudes apparently all the time, <laughs> and, and, and Daryl doesn't really know what a hooker is, and it's just kind of, it's kind of funny. You kind of just have to kind of see how they play out with it, and it's just kind of like a semi-running gag throughout the movie yeah it all just kind of set up with turtle calling his sister a hooker and it just it kind of works it's still kind of (laughs) funny yeah we're hanging out with daryl turtle and his sister in his sister's room i think it is and they're playing a video game and here's another moment daryl really setting up that he's different he is smarter than people or he's faster than people he's just quicker in the brain they're playing a video game and it's a car racing game it's
1: called a pole position
0: Pole Position, okay.
1: I remember this game specifically because uh, in the town we grew up in, there was a skating rink. And inside the skating rink was an arcade. And Pole Position was one of the games that was in the arcade. And I loved it, and I was horrible at it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. We had so much good times at that skating rink. Carpeted walls. Oh, fucking loved them. (laughs) But yeah, so Daryl is like, you know, his first time playing the game, he is ridiculously good at it because he watched Turtle play it one time and then he just kind of picked up on it. Um, And that's a a recurring thing that we kind of see early on in the film is Daryl, he can watch something and then he'll immediately know how to do it perfectly after that. Daryl goes to school. There's just kind of like more setup of this kid being different. Uh, He outsmarts the teacher and just (laughs) kind of corrects Turtle's paper, his like little quiz that they were doing. And he really shows up the teacher in front of everybody there's a weird scene of the girl in front of him acting incredibly flirty with (laughs) daryl did you think that was weird they were a little too young for that shit.
1: it did seem a little off and unnecessary for that scene yeah the girl never comes back
0: in the entire movie she was completely worthless daryl being a cute kid that's not anything that was like that came back or was a theme in the film Mm -hmm. so i don't know why they included it i don't either yeah you saw like a 10 year old girl giving the fuck you eyes to daryl and that was that (laughs) now we get to a fun little setup of daryl and turtle and andy playing baseball in the front yard same kind of thing as we saw with the video game is Daryl kind of figures out you know what's going on and how to do batting then he immediately picks up on it after the first pitch daryl then immediately becomes a fantastic hitter for little league baseball and andy's all excited because he's the coach of his town's crappy little league team who have <laughs> apparently sucked forever daryl's gonna be his secret weapon so he's like stupid excited <laughs> it's a very suburban kind of <laughs> yeah fun cute dad kind of thing the scene after that the sister comes back from a date and we get this really a kind of a cute scene of Daryl and Turtle on their walkie-talkies and they called each other CQ and QC. I had no idea what the hell those stood for. Did you figure that out?
1: No, not an idea. (sighs) It it pissed me off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think like these kids outsmarted me because I (laughs) wanted to know what the hell CQ and QC stood for because they, they kept going.
1: This is CQ to QC. Come in QC. This is CQ to QC. Come in QC. Over. This is QC. Come in CQ. What is happening? Over. You, reporting. She's gonna start hooking any second. Right in front of her own home. My God, she's shameless. Oh, this is disgusting.
0: And I feel like I should have figured it out. And I couldn't. And I'm over 30 years old, John.
1: (laughs) I really don't think there was a code there. I think it was just something they came up with. To me, that seems like codes that kids would come up with. We'll just use two letters and switch them.
0: I am on the opinion that (laughs) everything has a deeper meaning in that sense. And like a good filmmaker should have like, you know, had a real depth behind it. And there's a whole story. And then there's like a prequel that they could do. And then there's all this canon filmmaking, other stuff. Like you could go into the Daryl universe and I feel like it all starts with the cq and qc shit (laughs) okay maybe not
1: i doubt it but
0: after that we get the scene at the atm where andy and daryl are at the atm and they're getting a little bit of cash Andy just kind of like fucks up the ATM I guess this is when ATMs were still like Mm semi-new and he didn't know how to input his pin number properly or something so it didn't give Andy his actual money so Daryl was like oh let me figure it out and he did it and he got the cash out very easily and then he kept going in the ATM and he saw that his account balance was like $1,400 and then Daryl like immediately switched it to like oh no let's do it to 14,000 no you know what fuck it let's give him 1.4 million dollars this kid
1: (laughs) which is cool but I don't know know that never came back at all no it didn't i guess it was just a setup of you know more of what daryl can actually do
0: yeah exactly like more of this kid is a super genius kind of thing but you know he effectively made his foster parents millionaires i know right and And the
1: the weird thing is is that never comes back like apparently they never check their bank balance for the rest of the movie.
0: So I'm assuming that, yeah, exactly. They just, you know, if it was me, I would just shut up and assume it's a bank error and keep moving forward with my life and be happy. We then get a cute scene at the baseball game. Daryl being the quote unquote secret weapon. He plays for Andy's team with Turtle. Daryl is just absolutely slaughtering them. He's batting clean up and he's just walloping on and it's good it's a team that always seems to beat the crap out of their team and so andy's super happy but what it also then turns into is the mom joyce she wants to be a mom mm-hmm. and one of the things that's disappointing her a little bit with daryl is that he's too perfect this kid can do anything she, she's not getting the chance to be the mom that she wanted to be right and so now she's getting sad and here we get a moment where Turtle is really wise beyond his years. Like he's <laughs> what makes him a, a, a you know enjoyable in my mind is you know he's just one of those kids who's probably the smartest person on screen, even <laughs> though he is a kid. Very in line with the younger sister from Monster Squad or the younger sister from Hocus Pocus. You know they're the smartest people whenever they're on screen, and that's just that. Yeah. But he has this like wise little chat with Daryl. Daryl, I've
1: been meaning to give him my speech about corn it's a great speech. I meant to give it two weeks ago. corn have to feel like they're making progress with you. You gotta mess up sometimes, just enough so you don't get whacked. Because so they feel like you're learning something, see? It's a real art. Trust me. Leave your room in shade order sometimes. Choice needs to feel useful. You're so damn helpful and good and thoughtful. I don't know why I like you. That's the speech. Squirrel. up a little. need to be pissed off with kids.
0: And that's why she's so sad right now. So basically, Daryl figures out he's got to screw up a little bit to improve his relationship with Joyce. And so he does. The very next bat, he goes up, he strikes out. And you see, like, this little smile from Joyce you know here they had the chance to like get ahead and like really take the lead in the game but her selfishness means that Daryl had to strike out and they can't win the game and or they couldn't at that moment right anyway and so I found that weird in a mom honestly (laughs) Eh, I can kind of understand it Uh, let's speak to a legitimate parent you have two children Yes. And do you wish your kids were perfect or do you wish that they, you know, that they needed you like they do?
1: I mean, it's a give and take. I mean, you want, the, you know, as a parent, you want them to be perfect, but you kind of want to be the one that gets them there. So it's all about you, you selfish bastard. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> no, 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 because it, it, if they were perfect, that would be great but I mean no kids are Daryl so for her I'm guessing she's she's not getting the parent experience that she wants because there I mean there is times where you have to be the bad guy and there are times when you have to make sure that there's a lesson there and and you know you find your, your teachable moments and stuff like that and this is the one that I've not struggled with but the one that I've tried to you know kind of be open for is be ready to let your kids fail at something mm-hmm. because failure is the best teacher and you're Kids are great at failing. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) asshole. (laughs) I'm a fantastic uncle. (laughs) Fucker. My kids are awesome.
0: So, we're still in the baseball scene. and, And what I really liked that they did with this film was Daryl wasn't the hero of this baseball scene. The kids really wanted to try and win it, and Andy wanted to win the game. And as opposed to Daryl, who was this perfect kid, you know, who could easily win the game for him, Turtle ended up scoring and getting two RBIs and scoring the winning run you know when the pressure was on and he's the normal kid and like I liked that for some reason it was just nice that it wasn't you know this wasn't Daryl's turnaround from I'm gonna make Joyce feel good this was like you know what Turtle is you know a good kid too and like he can turn this around and he can like he can win the game it doesn't have to be on Daryl's and so right I don't know this it's kind of a weird thing but like I like that I like that a lot actually yeah so after this scene basically we get some setup that that Daryl's quote-unquote real parents want him back. You know, okay, he's just being a foster kid. Now his parents have found him and they want him back. These quote-unquote parents come to his home and they are old as hell. You right. can just tell. <laughs> you can tell these are not parents. These might be grandparents. Right. There's something off about them. Like the guy, he just keeps being surprised about Daryl's relationships with other people and his actions and what he's done. It's some weird shit. Like, you know, something is off. Yeah. Yeah. But they can basically prove that Daryl is their kid or that, you know, that they had him as, you know, when he was younger. So they leave. We get this really sad music. <laughs> They go to the airport, flying back to their place. And an important scene is here, Daryl goes up and he wants to kind of see how the plane is working and how the pilots, you know, like any kid, yeah, like any kid is going to go up to the pilots and be like, oh, I want to, I want to see the cockpit and I want to, you know, see how they fly the plane. But it's different with Daryl because from all the setup that we saw before, if Daryl sees something for one time, he can do it later. Right. This is just a little bit important in that we see Daryl is just absorbing all the shit that he needs to fly a plane.
1: And you get, it's not really a big line, but I chuckled at it. It was talking with the pilots about you know, different things in the plane. And they start doing calculations and he corrects the pilot. Yes. <laughs> and the, uh, I forget what the pilot's name was, but the other pilot kind of laughs and goes, he's after your job, Bill. Or whatever the guy's name was. Yeah. And it kind of made me, just small little thing made me laugh. The pilots thought it was like a 0. 0.4, but Daryl corrected him. was like, no,
0: it's 0. 0.6 something or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. I have a hard time, though, seeing any scene where a kid goes up to a cockpit without thinking about the movie Airplane. Oh, <laughs> Just because of the funny interaction between the kid and the, the pilots. Ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? So
0: while they're flying, Daryl really calls out the, the quote unquote parents. Even he knows that they're not his parents at this point. And they take Daryl to like the science place and they're giving him these tests. And this is really just like freaky shit that's going on now. We're really trying to like grasp what is Daryl. They go into his brain and his brain looks basically like a computer program. Yeah. And so here it's finally clicking, at least for me, before they even like really say the words robot or like they should Show you what the acronym Daryl stands for. Here is where it really should click for the audience. Like, holy fuck, this is not a boy. This is a robot. But from those tests and this kind of stuff, we find out the name Daryl stands for D-A-R-Y-L, which is Data Analysis Robot Youth
1: Life Form. Which seems a little forced to me, but... It really was. <laughs> <laughs> seems like they worked really hard to force that acronym in there yeah it's like
0: in marvel where you know shield is an acronym for something and then hammer right. is an acronym for something right and then sword is an acronym for something like they force some of that shit and this was definitely just like that yep the scientists are just crazy excited because here they created a robot, but the robot has fully become sentient and has created his own relationships, is learning stuff outside of the things that they ever anticipated. Things like emotions, things like friendships, relationships, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Stuff that's subjective. It's not just objective. Things that only really human minds can do. Right. So they're stupid excited. We have more tests, wires like kind of hooked up to his brain. We see he he really communicates with other computers really well. But once he's like kind of hooked up into a mainframe, he kind of like can talk to that computer. He becomes in the system. <laughs> If you will, Mm -hmm. really, we find out that Daryl is a military project, of course, the fucking military. I know they're almost like always the bad guy in like these eighties kids movies, this kind of thing, things like flight of the navigator where it's, I know it's NASA and not the military, but like that similar kind of things uh, between these movies, in my opinion. Yeah but they wanted robots to become soldiers obviously right to become efficient killing machines that's what this daryl project was initiated for was for the start of creating soldiers and they want more adult life forms not kid life forms so ultimately the military wants to scrap the entire daryl project which means they want to shut down the entire facility and they want to kill daryl in their mind they're just shutting down daryl but to us Daryl's a real boy. Right. And he's going to get killed. So Daryl's at this facility. We had a kind of cool scene where Daryl's watching like nine different screens and he's like watching all these different TVs and he's playing different video games. But something that I think is pretty important is here we find out that Daryl, one of the things that he learned to do was basically to empathize and to sympathize with other people. Mm -hmm. Like the doctor basically asks him, oh, well, why did you do that? And he said, well, because I've thought of how I would feel if someone else did this or right. getting a robot to feel empathy is, you know, that's that's the real sign of what, what is human, John? is Daryl human, but he's a robot. He's, he's wires and he's circuit boards, but he feels empathy and he's sentient. This is a deeper conversation.
1: I'll leave that to the experts.
0: At this point, the doctors really know that they're on to something bigger and better than the military project ever could be. So they actually bring in Andy and Joyce to the compound to see Daryl. And the doctor explains the whole situation to them. And they're kind of obviously shocked by, oh, hey, this kid was a robot the entire time. (laughs) But one of the weird things that they said, which I still don't get, they said he's still organic tissue and he's growing. So he's not like a full robot. Like they said that he's actually has been a boy who has been growing and aging. And so I, I I don't know. I find it strange. So he's, he's part robot, but part human because he's organic tissue.
1: I got the impression that the only robotic part of him was actually his brain. Okay. One of the things they say to him is when they said organic tissue, and then he says not even a doctor could tell the difference. So to me, I got the impression that it has nothing to do, like his body is purely human. It's his brain that is robotic. So, that, I mean, that's the impression I got from it.
0: So do you think they killed a little boy and scooped out his brains and put in a, a computer?
1: No, no, because no, they said he was—he was not born traditionally. He was born in a test tube. Yeah, you said so. so yeah, so they—they they did grow him. They grew him, yes. And somehow they were able to fuse the cells with the robotic brain and then grow the child
0: you know here we see with andy and joyce and turtle all at the compound that daryl is not even just in his own body and in his own consciousness he's also within the computers because he was kind of like talking through them through the interface of the computers but it didn't actually interact with his body because they're
1: connected but not i don't know it was he was talking with his memory banks it's like copying the memory banks to the computer so then you basically have two versions of daryl you have one version of daryl that's in the computer, and then the other version of Daryl that's still in the body. So fuck having a
0: massive soldier serum. We could have amazing baseball players. We could have a field of Daryl baseball players. Like, that would be amazing. (laughs) Little League Daryls, they would win the Little League World Series every year. John, I'm gonna... It's a million dollar idea. Just trust me on this. Okay. Only a million? (laughs) Yeah,
1: no more. (laughs) It's the Little League, John. No more. That might have been big for 1985, but... I mean, it's big now, but still... (laughs) But
0: I just think it's kind of cool that, you know, his body and his memory banks, you know, all of this can be in different places at the same time. It honestly, it really reminded me of Avengers Age of Ultron, where basically Daryl is Ultron uh-huh. and he can just like upload himself anywhere. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Basically, though, before Andy Joyce and Turtle leave, we kind of see Dr. Stewart, who at first I was very certain Dr. Stewart was the bad guy in this film. Uh-huh. And honestly, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time yeah. to where I was very sure like the scientist was the bad guy. And then at this point, like you really realize like, no, he's he's not the bad guy. Like he's in this for science and for learning and like knowing that Daryl is greater than anything that he initially could create uh and the bad guy is the military complex yeah so dr stewart kind of like sets up this whole plan with andy and joyce that he's gonna he's gonna get daryl out of there you know he knows that the military wants to kill him and end this whole project and you know he doesn't want blood on his hands quote unquote because he's he's created life they have this whole fake death scene where the military is there and dr stewart has to put down his creation to an extent and they fake it and they kind of make it seem like he is terminated but i don't know why in the program daryl said oh they had this whole setup of writing everything down was terminated and then at the very bottom of the line daryl had like a written out i hope they don't f- find us out All or right. i hope they don't i hope we get out. away with this yeah i hope we get away with it like god damn it you stupid kid right. <laughs> couldn't you just not <laughs> put that on the computer <laughs> But then they have this whole escape scene. Dr. Stewart and Daryl have to escape from the compound and they leave in their car. There's a whole car chase scene. Basically, uh- fun scene of Daryl you know he he says he needs to drive and for the doctor to trust him it kind of it's reminiscent it pulls back to that video game that we talked about earlier right where he's weaving in and out and in and out and speeding very quickly between all these cars uh, it kind of ties in pretty well and just as we think they get away they end up hitting a roadblock. you know they have to figure out how to get past it and just as we think they get past that first one which is a kind of a fun acute diversion that they do where Dr. Stewart is driving and Daryl sneaks around these woods to take away the keys and the radio from this cop and it's just kind of a fun little scene so they keep driving but they didn't realize that in the roadblock there was another cop car just Mm -hmm. around this other corner so the cop is shooting at them he ends up hitting dr stewart and there's this semi-dramatic scene where dr stewart dies and he's really kind of telling daryl that you know he is he's a real boy it's almost like pinocchio right (laughs) you're a real boy Daryl then sneaks into a military airport, because he's still got to get away, and he sneaks onto this sweet-ass
1: jet. It's the SR-71 Blackbird. It's the precursor to the stealth bomber that we know now. Okay. I love the SR-71 Blackbird. It's like, everyone's kind of got like something that they're really into. I really think the SR-71 is one of the coolest-looking jets ever it's just cool yeah <laughs> other than that it's cool i don't really have any more to say about it but
0: knowing that it's the precursor for the stealth bomber which this for me the stealth bomber is like one of the most badass jets of all time right like, it looks so cool but that's that's awesome so it was the setup for that and daryl is flying that and we get basically can assume that he knows how to fly from his earlier scene where you know he was in the cockpit
1: have you ever been in a In a Turkish prison.
0: For some reason, this scene of Daryl flying in the jet and, like, Pretty much all of these scenes hereafter is probably the most that i remember from this film yeah like when i when i go back and i think of the scenes in daryl i think of daryl flying in this jet very first like that is that is the immediate scene i think of yeah particularly also part of it is he's chewing this bubble gum and and he takes the bubble gum and he puts it on this camera that is in the jet uh there's a funny line a
1: child with a stick of chewing gum has just rendered your hundred million dollars
0: worth of hardware useless Any suggestions? It's just funny. Those kind of little things and those little lines were fairly cute. But there's this whole like dramatic countdown of if Daryl leaves United States airspace, that they will be blowing up the jet. And so basically how Daryl gets out of it is he times... Ejecting out right as they're going to blow it up from the timer. And so he ejects out of the plane, perfect timing, and he lands in this lake, which is in South Carolina, because I had no idea that this movie was basically set in South Carolina until I saw the map at the end where Daryl was flying. Oh, yeah. That's where he ejected. He called Turtle on his walkie talkie earlier, you know, while he was in the jet, you know, CQ to QC, and Turtle and his sister go out to meet Daryl. And it's a very dramatic moment. I definitely. Another one of the scenes, you know, like this whole last little scene, yeah. uh, this last group of scenes is what I really, really re- did remember, where Daryl, you know, he, he fell into the lake and, you know, maybe he drowned or whatever, but he's basically dead. And so, you know, everyone just thinks that he's gone, but... While Andy and Joyce and Turtle and Turtle's family are kind of like mourning or they're just kind of talking over it and they're hard to believe what's happening, there's you know, a simultaneous scene of the other Doctor. There's a female Doctor uh, along with Dr. Stewart who goes to Daryl and reboots him. We don't see it, but it happens off screen and the movie basically ends with Daryl running back to the house. And there's this glorious moment of Turtle and Daryl reconnecting, you know, their best friends back together, and Daryl back with his family, and everyone's back together. And the movie ends with, you know, a happy note of Daryl, this robotic boy, is uh, assumed dead by the military, so hopefully no one will go after him, and now he's back with the family.
1: Yep, happy ending.
0: And that's the end of Daryl. And I'm gonna say, this movie bored the fuck out of me. (laughs) I didn't really say anything too negative going through that entire synopsis, but this is a movie and I couldn't get out of my head the similarities between Flight of the Navigator and this one in that I really, really remember loving Daryl. As a kid and like this was being like one of the movies that I knew I liked and watching it now it was just slow it was just boring it wasn't thought-provoking enough for me as an adult it didn't have enough cute moments it was fine the movies fine it's an okay movie but like this is not an above-par movie this is a par or subpar movie and so I was pretty disappointed in rewatching Daryl honestly
1: I disagree with you. <laughs> okay. I actually really enjoyed going back and watching the movie. To me, there were lots of little things that I caught this time that I hadn't caught when I was a kid. It didn't blow away my expectations, but I wasn't disappointed by it.
0: The, the thing about this movie is it had all of the themes, like the theme of what is life and like all that kind of stuff. Like It has like the deeper stuff, like the deeper meaning that an adult could really think about and break down but i just thought it was slow i thought it was very slow i thought it was pretty boring i thought it would have felt better if it just stayed in my nostalgia that's just that's my personal feeling
1: well we'll have to kind of disagree on this one i I, like i said i don't think it was perfect but i wasn't disappointed by it
0: all right we are at odds (laughs) there we (laughs) go that's that
1: All right, and now we are going to talk about the 80s television cartoon Brave Star. Brave Star ran from <laughs> 1987 to 1989. It was produced by the uh, animation company Filmation, which also did He Man and She Ra and also did Ghostbusters, not the real Ghostbusters, the other Ghostbusters, which we talked about a little bit, the one with the, the weird ape and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Which actually will come into play in this show. It was executive produced by Lou Scheimer, who kind of executive produced most of the cartoons that Filmation did. But Lou Scheimer also played a prominent role in this show. He did several voices. And he's also the narration voice that you hear at the beginning of the introduction. In a distant time and faraway place, the planet of New Texas floats deep in space. Of free Land of the, by the, the show has kind of a, it's weird, there's it a lot of characters in the show, but there's kind of a small group of about seven or eight people who pretty much do all the voices of almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Pat Fraley does the voice of Marshal Bravestar. I'm a marshal, but there's no army, Mr. McBride. Just me, Bravestar. Pat Fraley, also the voice of Krang in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Suck you, fool!
0: Don't waste
1: time. Your forces are depleted. The Turtles are on their way. Install the chip now. Ed Gilbert does the voice of his horse, Thirty Thirty. I ain't never lost a fight before, and I don't intend to lose this one. Also, who you would also know as Baloo in the Tailspin cartoon. Hey, wait, don't send me away. I've wanted to fly with you guys all my life. It's an order, Baloo an order Uh, lou scheimer did a lot of voices as did his daughter erica scheimer they both did a a ton of voices and they're not really known for anything else i think they just because they worked for filmation probably they figured they could save money if they if they themselves did (laughs) a lot of the stuff but then you also have susan blue who did the voice uh, a lot of voices but mainly did judge jb mcbride hi i'm the new judge of new texas I guess we'll be working together, huh? And a couple of other big-name guys. Alan Oppenheimer, who we've talked about before. Yeah, huge name. Never ending Story he was also Skeletor and He-Man. And Charlie Adler, who's very prominent. He's almost as prominent as Frank Wilker. Just has done a ton of stuff. Mainly, he does the voice of Tex-Hex. One hero down. Anyone else? <laughs> I thought not. Show we mean business, boys. Wreck the place! One of the bad guys, and does a bunch of other stuff. We also talked about Charlie Adler when we did Dino Riders, because he did the voice of Hammerhead. you come a long way to die, star. So was this
0: a cartoon show from the 80s that actually didn't have Frank Welker in it? Holy crap!
1: At least not in the credits that I saw. Okay. Interestingly enough, the character of Tex Hex is kind of the... Reason we have this show. The character of Tex-X actually appeared in the cartoon Ghostbusters. And uh, Lou Scheimer loved the character so much that he asked his writing team to write a show to put him in. And they came up with Bravestar. Okay. This is one of the interesting things. There is a really, really fun documentary series on Netflix. I think it's by Netflix, so it's probably still on there. It's called The Toys That Made Us. And there's only about five or six episodes, but one of the episodes they talked about is He-Man. And a lot of people don't know, He-Man was a toy before it was a cartoon. Oh, okay. I forget who actually put together the the toys for He-Man, but they came up with a concept of He-Man and then they created a comic book and then turned that into a cartoon to sell the toys. Brave Star, Filmation actually created the cartoon of Brave Star and then went to Mattel and said, hey, we have this cartoon, what do we think about this? Because they had a whole bunch of characters. And Mattel came in and kind of changed a few things around, one of the things that they did change was the planet that they're on is called new texas
0: that's a dare, dumb ass name
1: originally it was called new cheyenne which i think i i like that better yeah but they didn't think that people were going to recognize what cheyenne was which i hate it when they try to dumb things down for the audience but they did so they yeah they changed it to new texas i have to say very memorable intro <laughs> But I didn't remember as much about the cartoon as I did about the intro.
0: Pretty solid theme song. It was cheesy, really cheesy, but like it it worked. Honestly, it worked.
1: And the only thing I did remember before rewatching this was that Brave Star, Marshall Brave Star, he's the main hero. He's a Native American marshal of this planet, New Texas. Yeah, he's
0: not Native American because they're (laughs) on New Texas, another planet. But I know what you mean.
1: He has the ability to use aspects of spirit animals.
0: It's, it's almost stereotypical, but it wasn't overly bad. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't done in a really a bad way. It was, it, I felt like it was, it was fairly respectful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that he could harness the power of his spirit animals.
1: Which were Strength of the Bear, Eyes of the Hawk, Ears of the Wolf, and Speed of the Puma. It was nice, because they didn't come into play all the time. I think they would use them maybe once in an episode.
0: Yeah, because it didn't seem like he could really, like, utilize the power for all that long. It was just like, he would kind of, like, do the call. Strength
1: of the bear! The bear!
0: And then he could do something very strong and but just for that like one instance. So it wasn't like he was always as strong or he was always fast but like he had to draw from that power and then it was gone like w- in a matter of
1: seconds. Which was good because it, it, it would allow him to do some special things and but it wouldn't overpower him as far as a character goes.
0: Yeah because honestly I knew he had the speed of a puma but then I would see him on scenes where he's like riding 30-30 and I'm like you know what that doesn't make any damn sense because if... If he's as fast as a Puma, Puma's top speeds are like around 40 miles an hour, where a a horse's top speed is only like around 25 to 30 miles an hour. So I'm like, he's faster than a fucking horse. Why is he even riding goddamn 30-30? It doesn't make sense because he has the speed of a Puma. But they tied it in that, you know, it's only, it's very short bursts. So you know what? Angry Adam came back a little bit.
1: (laughs) Uh, and his horse, 3030, obviously named after the ammunition gauge size.
0: Which I had no idea. <laughs>
1: I, I couldn't tell. Uh, I think it's a Winchester round. Okay. But to answer that question, 3030, first of all, was an intelligent horse. Which made it weird to it me. Did, it was a little weird, but also because he could also just stand on his hind legs and he looked like a person.
0: Yeah. Like he exactly. He walked around like a horse when Brave Star needed a ride, and like just to like walk him around like a horse, and then all of a sudden he would stand up like a human and then take Shots from the shotgun. I thought it was weird. It just felt really weird that he would just like let this guy right on his back, and Brave Star's balls would be slapping on his bare back. <laughs> Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, oh no, I'm gonna stand on my own two feet again. It was just weird. I didn't get that.
1: It is a little strange. Is we- well, the other part that was weird is he's got robotic limbs, but. That being said, a lot of this show was really weird. Yeah. A lot of the extra characters were super odd, had weird voices that I didn't think fit the tone of the show very well.
0: Even Tex Hex's voice, I didn't think was like really fit him all that well.
1: Right. You also had another main bad guy named Stampede, who kind of was like a dragon with bull horns. But kind of robotic. Yeah. Obviously, it's one of those shows was meant to sell toys, so they had just a slew of different kind of characters so they could have different kinds of toys. You had a few reoccurring bad guys, Tex-Hex, Stampede, Vipro, so a few of the others, they're just sort of regular. And Marshall had actually quite a few little friends and stuff that he had. Shaman, who was kind of his, kind of a mentorish figure. He would go for counsel that sort of thing.
0: It reminded me a lot of Jaga from... Thundercats honestly
1: or uh mind's eye from Dino writers yeah or my <laughs> yes <laughs> and then uh judge Jamie McBride
0: also, also his love interest yeah they kind of they had like a little thing you could tell
1: yeah I watched quite a few in- episodes I kind of dug some of the characters some of the stories the animation was very filmation animation horrible it
0: was so bad yeah it was obviously reused animations like as much as they could get If they had to draw as little as possible, they would. Right. (laughs) It was like that low frame rate animation where they were hoping that nobody moved at any time except for just the mouths. Right. And yeah, it was poor animation. No other word for it. Just poor and low quality animation. It's
1: one of those shows where I like the idea and the concept of it. I mean, especially nowadays when we have like Westworld. Which is kind of not the same idea, obviously, but that sort of merging of those two ideas of Western and sci-fi.
0: Well, think about it. That actually even ties in with the movie Daryl. Westworld is very similar with all of this because yeah. in Westworld, it was robots who thought they were human and didn't find out they were robots until much later. Like very same, similar kind of stuff with Daryl, but set in a sci-fi Western setting. And that's very much like Bravestar. Yeah. It was a sci-fi Western. It was like out in space, but it was such a Western feel and it had all of that.
1: Yeah. And I like, like I say, I liked the concept and some of the ideas. Writing wasn't great. Animation wasn't great. I mean, the voices. is, were fine but there wasn't anything that you know really grabbed me it was just sort of guys talking and all the weird voices i thought were too weird
0: yeah <laughs>
1: you know it wasn't just like humans on a planet where it was like future western western but there were also aliens and mutant type characters and and all different kinds of stuff and all stuff that i know was really kind of there designed to sell toys but i don't know how what did you think of it so
0: this was a show that i didn't really remember much this was not one that i really watched as a kid like i knew of it, but I really didn't remember loving the show, so it wasn't in my nostalgia. So all of that worked against it and like just the bad animation and some of the other stuff was just kind of like meh, but I actually kind of really enjoyed it. <laughs> it wasn't bad. You know, it was very simple. Yeah. It was a very simple 80s cartoon, but it was pretty solid. I watched the entire Brave Star film that is called Brave Star the Legend, and then I ended up watching like probably another four or five episodes. Like I watched quite a bit of this show, you know, it's something I could just kind of have in the background. I didn't have to pay all that much attention, but I was just like, that's not bad. This reminds me of shitty 80s cartoons. And so I didn't hate it at all.
1: Well, and it was such a unique idea, especially for the time. Because I mean, you know, kids weren't really that into West. I don't really remember being into Westerns in the 80s. Yeah, no. So, you know, sci-fi was the big thing, especially after, you know, Star Wars and Empire and, and Jedi came out and all these sort of sci-fi movies that really came out. So anything, it was sci-fi, but it added the Western feel. And to me, that that worked for it. It gave it a unique flavor that... And obviously it only lasted, I think it was like 64 episodes or something like that. So it was probably like two or three seasons at most. You know, I think it, it was an idea worth trying. It was an idea worth trying. I, I appreciated like going
0: back and checking it out. If you want to watch it, I didn't find it on Netflix or other stuff, but YouTube has a bunch of high quality videos. Yeah. And so if you want to rewatch this show, just check it out on YouTube. And yeah, there's good stuff on there. So yeah. thumbs up from me.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, if I was going to grade it, I would give it a solid C+. plus. It was average. It had some good aspects to it. I wouldn't call it a failure unless you're grading the animation, in which case I would give that one an F. Yeah. But, you know, some better yeah. animation would do the show good and, and a little bit higher quality, right? It's something where they're not just trying to sell toys. If I watched the show
0: as a kid, I probably would have loved Thirty Thirty. Yeah. Because he was just, like, a badass, like, doesn't take no guff. You don't He don't take no shit, kind of a <laughs> horse sidekick
1: kind of thing. So, all in all actually not a bad show surprisingly well given uh, given the shortfalls it does have this episode of the blast from our past podcast is brought to you by crossfire by hasbro it's sometime in the future the ultimate challenge crossfire Crossfire, you get caught up in the crossfire. Crossfire, you'll get caught up in the crossfire. crossfire. Crossfire, 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 crossfire. You'll get caught up in it. All right, and now we are going to recast Brave Star uh, into probably a movie. Or maybe a TV show. I mean, nowadays, you can get quality on either movie or TV shows. I could see this as uh, you know, hell, I could see this as a Netflix series. Yeah. I'd say HBO, but they've got Westworld. Or or maybe just a, even just a movie. Mm-hmm. A good movie. There's lots of characters to choose from, and we just kind of boiled it down to a small handful of them. Obviously, got to have Marshall Bravestar. Got to have Thirty Thirty. 30 I decided to add uh, Shaman and Judge Jamie McBride, because you're probably going to have to have a love of interest. Mm-hmm. And then a small handful of bad guys. Uh, stampede seems to be the one that was kind of the main villain for a lot of episodes which will be interesting because that's that's gonna be a cg character definitely and then you have tex hex and we decided to throw in vipra one of tex hex's minions and stuff like that Yeah,
0: she she wasn't huge in the show but we can at least cast like a female baddie and that's kind of nice
1: yeah not just a not just a bunch of dudes so we'll just go back kind of down that list we'll start with a vipra she's
0: just kind of one of the bad guys she doesn't have much depth to her and she like has this big snake thing that she rides and yeah she wasn't much but i mean i, I am glad that we added her here just to kind of get a interesting female villain who i think for a movie or a show would have a good bit of makeup on right could be fun
1: you know if they get some good writing in could add it a lot to to the show. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in. This Some of these are weird where you could almost have anyone play Viper. Yeah. Uh, anyone could kind of disappear into that role. So I wanted someone, since we have two females in the cast, or in our casting, I wanted someone who was kind of a little opposite of how I thought Judge Jamie McBride was going to be and how they're played. So I wanted someone with a little bit of kind of sass and attitude to play Vipra, and I went... With kind of a younger actress, actually a really younger actress, who recently played a role where she did have a lot of attitude, and I cast Zendaya.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, she had a lot of attitude in the, in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie.
1: She's pretty good. She could probably do something with the character, especially since it would be... that's She's not even like a secondary bad guy. She's like the tertiary bad guy. Yeah, I'm curious
0: how they would would do that I, i'm i think she's a good casting she is just young and that's the only thing that i'm yeah kind of curious about you know they would have to try and figure out how to not over sexualize vipra because just to me because zendaya is young yeah But that's, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike that at all. I think that's a, that's a pretty solid choice. Um, I went with someone who I think is very similar to you who had sass and could add some spice and and just be like a little bit hardened if need be, Mm -hmm. but she's not as young. The actress I went with is, has been in, I think all of the Fast and the Furious films. I think she could be a pretty badass Viper. I went with Michelle Rodriguez.
1: I could totally see that. Michelle Rodriguez is a complete badass just in herself. And she could be a pretty cool villain. Yeah, if you kind
0: of give her that that shot yeah
1: yeah i'd buy that and probably honestly you might have the better pick
0: i'll take it i'll take the win
1: okay uh tex hex he's a
0: fun villain i liked watching tex hex and he wasn't in every episode he wasn't needed for everything right but he was a powered villain who had like these magical powers bestowed on him from stampede to me his voice didn't really match His look. Kind of whiny almost. Yeah, exactly. Like a whinier voice than I would have imagined for like a zombie-ish looking kind of villain. Right. And so that's why I initially thought, and I still... I still think he might be the right choice. I initially thought Danny Trejo would be a really cool Tex-Hex, but he's old now. Yeah. He is pretty old, but he still could be, I mean, with makeup. His voice, though, is so different than the Tex-Hex voice. Right. And so that's why I wasn't sure. Instead, I went with a guy who almost exclusively plays good guys and almost exclusively is like a hero and his voice is very Texas because he was born in Texas and he's known for his Southern drawl all right all right all right (laughs) i think he would be a interesting choice to give him a villain role like this with makeup and like he's skinny enough that he could do like the zombie skeleton-y tex hex i went with matthew mcconaughey as my tex hex
1: did you see the dark tower
0: I did not see The Dark Tower. Yeah, that was the the Idris Elba one, right? Yes,
1: because he plays the bad guy in that.
0: Oh, does he really? Okay.
1: And from that, I could see him playing this part because he plays sort of a Western-ish type guy and he plays the bad guy in it. I heard that movie sucked though, so I never saw it. (laughs) For a really cool concept, I was very disappointed in it. So oddly enough, I ended up going with a Tex-Hex that is probably about the same age as Danny Trejo. Uh. He just screams Western. He's got a really deep baritone voice. He looks it. My pick for TexX was Sam Elliott
0: yeah it, when, when I think of westerns and actually I had Sam Elliott for a different role he is synonymous with western Hollywood yeah and honestly like keeping him out of this film would be a travesty because I would want <laughs> Sam Elliott somewhere right in a Brave Star movie yeah just because he he's awesome the only thing that I find strange with that casting is Sam Elliott's voice is so it's so relaxing <laughs> his voice is so low and yeah baritone but it's just like he, he could put me to sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> but i bet he could be interesting if like if he uses that low but he turns it intimidating that would be fun
1: yeah either one works Pretty, pretty amicable. But,
0: but, but Matthew McConaughey is a very chill voice too. So yeah. we went with our, our very kind of like lowish Texasy Western voices. Uh, but they're both, they could, they could do And it.
1: I bet your Tex-Hex might work really well with my Stampede. Because my Stampede, I also went with someone with a low voice. Obviously, I really just thought voice for Stampede. I really didn't care about motion capture or anything like that. I just thought voice. And I went between several people. I actually thought about Sam Elliott for Stampede for a little bit. Yeah. And then I just came back to this guy he's got a great voice and sometimes he plays bad guy characters but he always when he's on screen he always seems to be playing the same type of on-screen character so this would be a slight change for him i went with goliath himself keith david oh i like that a lot
0: damn i like that a lot
1: i also didn't really like the voice of stampede in the cartoon i wanted something more ominous that's good. That's a good call. Yeah, I'm a big big fan
0: of Keith David, and I think that is a good choice. He's so imposing, yeah. and his voice is so just intimidating, and Stampede being a huge dragon thing with Longhorns, you need somebody who's kind of like larger than life. Keith David would be good. My initial thought, honestly, was Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you get his Thanosy voice, but right now he's in everything. I don't want Josh Brolin in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to be my cable, my Thanos, and my Stampede. Right. And actually, I think we used him as a casting in our Western Badasses episode. Yeah. So so I didn't I didn't need more Josh Brolin. So I fell back to a guy <laughs> we've cast a million times and we've used him. When you think of big CGI characters who could do great voices, and Stampede has a fun voice where he does like a like a little like a snarl kind of thing all the time.
1: Greed.
0: I know that Andy Circus could do a perfect Stampede and so I just I was just like fuck it I'm I don't I want to stop thinking and so I'm just going to give <laughs> Stampede to Andy Circus.
1: And you know what? It probably would come out just as good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to give it to him because you just end up giving him everything. Exactly. But <laughs> He's just really good at it. Yeah. So, all right. You know, I mean,
0: I feel bad. I feel bad. I want to give, I want to give our listeners something new and fresh, but I'm just like, well, Andy Circus would be good in that. <laughs> well, Andy Circus would be good in that. Like every fucking episode. Yep.
1: All right. So now we have female good guy role of judge jb mcbride let me hear your pick for this one first
0: yeah so i'm pretty happy with my choice i went with some so judge jb mcbride is she's very strong-willed she's pretty sassy in her own right Mm -hmm. she was she was both she was a female character who was badass in her own right but she also kind of played a little bit of that damsel in distress yeah damsel in distress kind of thing exactly which i hope they would kind of go away from right nowadays and and hopefully they would i went with an actress who has played someone who is badass in that she'll be sassy in she'll just kind of do whatever the fuck she wants and it's probably also because i've been watching a lot of the jessica jones show (laughs) (laughs) on netflix recently um i went with rachel taylor who plays trish okay in the jessica jones show uh she's a blonde but i think she could like you know she she could pull off redhead pretty easily right because i probably would keep uh, jb mcbride as a redhead but she she has got a lot of spunk to her mm-hmm. and I, and JB has got a lot of that and so I you know want to see her come up in some bigger roles and so yeah Rachel Taylor was my
1: choice that's not bad i actually went with a redhead i went with someone who i haven't seen her play badass good guys um, but she's definitely been playing a badass bad guy for the last uh, couple years. Even though when she plays a bad guy, you wouldn't know she has red hair because she's bald. I went with Karen Gillen, who plays Nebula. Oh yeah. <laughs> I first knew her best as a companion from Doctor Who. She is a sort of a badass character in Doctor Who, in the way that that character is, but not in a sort of Western fighting way. And I think it would be a good opportunity for kind of her to take the badass stuff she'd have to do from she you know from playing Nebula and apply it to a good guy role i think that's a pretty solid
0: choice um i like king quite a bit and yeah I, i think that's that's a pretty solid call there john cool
1: all right uh shaman wise old guy i'm gonna jump in with my shaman
0: okay i had a name immediately i didn't think of too many other people maybe one other person and i i wouldn't be shocked if you cast the other person as shaman but i went with an actor who was in dances with wolves and he played the character of kicking bird he is a fantastic actor a native actor his name is graham green oh yeah and he's really good i like him a lot and i i want to see him in a lot of stuff and so uh he is my shaman and yeah, i'm very happy with that choice
1: i would be very happy with that choice too graham green was amazing he was amazing in dances with wolves he was really good in the green mile Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you see him in a lot of, you know, roles that aren't just native roles. You know, he can. Yeah, exactly. All kinds of stuff. Sadly, I didn't actually think of Graham Greene for this, even though that's a solid pick. But I went with an actor who was also in Dances with Wolves. He's a little bit younger than Graham Greene. He was also in Last of the Mohicans. And he played Geronimo in the movie Geronimo. I went with Wes Studi
0: yeah Wes Studi he's an amazing actor he he, when when you think native actors Wes Studi is probably at the top of everyone's list because he it's not that he's native it's just that he's a kick-ass actor yeah and he was actually the only other name that I really wrote down and I think he would be a fantastic choice as well so I can't fault you for Wes Studi at all
1: yeah I can't fault you for Graham Greene they're both great yeah (laughs) (laughs) no you have a great pick no you have a great pick (laughs) I think our castings are getting more and more amicable, yeah. which uh, yeah. is not making for great drama. <laughs> no, not so much. We need to be a little bit more pissed off when we do this. I might piss you off with my next choice, honestly. <laughs> All right. That's, I might piss you off with mine, too. So next one, 30-30. He's a fucking horse. He's
0: a fucking horse.
1: I'm not really sure how they would do this. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of motion <laughs> capture, a lot of other things. Yeah. But I still kind of wanted someone who could kind of look... Like a buff horse. Like a (laughs) horse. I don't really know how to phrase that any better than that. If you want someone buff, I mean, you could pick someone like The Rock. But for a role like thirty thirty, where he's not the main guy, I just don't see The Rock in that role.
0: No, I agree. But
1: I did go with another WWE star. He's not quite as big as The Rock, but he's well-known. He's an okay actor. I think this would be, they would have to kind of work with him on this. I actually went with Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm shocked because I had a different wrestler as my backup and it wasn't Chris Jericho. Interesting call. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think I agree with Chris Jericho. (laughs) Okay. When it comes to wrestlers who have done Southern accents and who could be badass like Thirty Thirty, the correct name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. God
1: damn it. You're right. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Not Chris Jericho. And he was the man I had as my backup. And so I don't I don't like your Chris Jericho call. OK, you know what? You're wrong. And honestly, the Stone Cold Steve Austin choice that I just said may not be right either. And the choice that I'm going to go with, you might flip out on or you might love it. (laughs) I wanted someone because 3030 is like is over the top crazy and like western and just over the top like angry and everything so i went with an actor who's known for being over the top and i'm going to tell you a line and i think you can figure out who he is and the line is i said put the bunny back in the box do you know who i'm talking about i don't oh god Conair. and i chose my 30 30 is nicholas cage <laughs> because his southern accent from the movie Con Air is so bad that it would be perfect for the movie Brave Bravestar as 30-30. So I want someone over the top who's ridiculous. It's Nick Cage. He's my 30-30. Boom. Drop the mic. I'm out.
1: I both hate and admire that pick. <laughs> it's so crazy it might just work.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I'm really going to have to think on that one, because I'm really not sure how I feel about that pick. I might like your backup, Steve Austin, better he's than He's probably,
0: me. you know, uh, he's the safe choice. But Nicolas Cage is the choice that, like, you, you know your your heart wants. Actually, you know what? Maybe maybe not even your heart. Yeah, your brain wants Stone Cold Steve Austin. Your balls wants <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and you know it.
1: Uh, I can't even argue with you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even argue with you. <laughs> All right. Our hero, Marshall Bravestar. I knew immediately who I wanted. And this is a guy who, after we did our casting for Alpha Flight... For that that shaman character? I think I would... If I could go back in time, I would have put him as shaman instead of who I ended up in picking. Not that the guy was bad, but I just think this guy is better. He hasn't been in too many things. He started out as a stunt guy. He's worked in several movies, but he got his big role in Wonder Woman. Oh. And I went with a guy who played Chief, a guy named Eugene Brave Rock. Okay. I really liked him as Chief in Wonder Woman, and he's done other sort of, you know, native roles. He started out as a stunt guy doing horse work, so you know he could do some horse riding tricks and stuff like that, and I think he would make a fantastic Marshall Brave star.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good choice. I did recently watch Wonder Woman not all that long ago. Yeah, he was was solid, and it was a fun movie. I did enjoy it. It was the one DC movie of recent times that I didn't think blew major chunks. So that made me happy. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah, Eugene Brave Rock is a good call. I agreed with you in that uh, for Brave Star, you want to have a native actor. Yeah. The one thing that I like that we both kind of do is we don't, I guess I feel we don't whitewash too much, or at least I try not to. Right. Because there's no point in it. Like, just give a native character to a native actor it just makes sense right and so i went with a different native actor a guy who is probably most famous for recently he was in magnificent seven and he's a little bit younger maybe maybe not too much younger but uh his name is martin Senzmeier, and he doesn't look as old as eugene brave rock but like i think he could get swole I think you get the (laughs) swole enough that I need for my star because honestly, like you want the star to look like The Rock a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I don't want The Rock. I don't want to cast The Rock in everything. right? And I want to cast a more native person than The Rock um, who's kind of more Polynesian Hawaiian. So I went with Martin Sensmeyer and he's not, you know, a huge actor, but I think hopefully this could be a role that he could take on and he could really shine with. So
1: he's not bad looking at him and, and looking at, you know, his credits and stuff like that. He could probably be solid. I don't really know him, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my choice just because I, I'm going with what I've seen. That's
0: fine. I'm, I'm going to stick with my choice.
1: I still think my choice is better. I Have you? Uh, fine. <laughs> you should maybe
0: watch Magnificent Seven and... Did you see uh, it? You could see... Did you see Magnificent Seven? <clears throat> uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Please join us next time for a He-tastic episode. We review the movie Masters of the Universe, the cartoon show He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and we do a casting of He-Man.
1: If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blastpastcast, that's at the blast past cast on both facebook and twitter so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time